Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest, Greg Moyer. As I was talking with him backstage, I'm always interested in the cutting edge ideas, the new, where everything is going, where are the trends, trying to get people to think outside the box. And he's got a fantastic background. He's uh, got 30 years in Silicon Valley and a lot of tech experience. And he's here to teach us and talk about how to innovate at a higher level, think creatively at a higher level, and really change the world. So, Greg, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Very happy to be here. Yeah. Um, like I said, we connected through PodMatch, but tell people about your story, what you do, and we'll jump right into the discussion. Well, after spending about 30 years as a creative director and inventor and innovator, I'm uh, I'm actually kind of pivoting a little bit and I'm taking on, in fact, I'm I'm launching a new program to help people become insanely inventive and it's um, it's it's really based on something that I discovered about 25 years ago. It was it all started on one of those nights that we've all had where we've maybe been in our office like at 11:30 at night, stuck, and I had a light bulb moment. I began asking them. I was actually working on a on a creative proposal for a client that was due the next morning. And, um, you know, at the time, during that time in Silicon Valley, um, the business environment was smoking hot. It was like having your hair on fire. And I was the new creative guy in town. And so there was this expectation that, you know, to always be creative on demand, right? And so I'm the creative guy who wasn't feeling very creative for a while <laughs> and, you know, burned out wearing lots of hats. I had this new agency and, and, uh, you know, as, as, as you know, when you, you know, run a, run a small business, you're everything, right? <laughs> you're the, you're the accountant and, and, uh, hiring manager and, you know, project manager and every other thing. So I, I kid you not, it, it was about 1130 at night. I'm really struggling with what to put on paper. <laughs> I'm staring at this whiteboard. The stress was literally palpable. Um, you know, my wife's calling, are you coming home? And in fact, I'd hardly, you know, really hadn't seen her much. And, uh, something occurred to me that, I had been taught by a mentor about 10 years prior to that, and I'd never used it in a business setting, but 
But it was a technique that originated by Jesuit monks in the early part of the Renaissance. And what the technique was, it was a very specific technique for activating and harnessing your imagination. And I had used it and then kind of forgot about it. And so I'm saying, well, I've got nothing to lose, right? Do everything I'm supposed to do that I could remember that my mentor had taught me about and blah, blah, blah. And when you when you practice this technique and you go through all the steps, it's like unleashing a floodgate of thoughts and ideas. You know, after about 15 or 20 minutes afterwards, then things start bubbling up from your subconscious to your conscious mind, right? And I was able to finish up. and But it was the following day after that, you know, after I presented that particular, you know, that creative brief, I'm back in my office and I'm thinking, man, this is not the first time this is going to happen, right? Because, you know, we had all kinds of clients and lots of projects and stuff like that. And, and so really it was the second light bulb moment I had, which was to ask the question, what would Da Vinci do? Now, he was a boyhood idol of mine. And growing up, growing up, I thought we had the same birthday. And then I learned as an adult that his birthday is one day off from mine, but it worked, right? <laughs> and um, there was a brand new book that had just come out and I hadn't read it yet, but I had ordered it. It was on my, it was, you know, laying across my desk and I'm looking at it and I'm, I'm literally fanning the pages and some things caught my eye. And I started filling a whiteboard with ideas and a timeline. What is this creative process? And now at that point in time, I was already one of the pioneers in the country applying the tenets of neuroscience to customer experiences and, and media is designed for maximum impact. And so I'm thinking there's got to be some brain science behind this whole creativity thing, right? I'm, I'm drawing on the whiteboard. I'm looking through this book. I'm writing down keywords. And, I, and then I, and I, I read the book. And, and then I started asking, well, what would Edison do? Einstein, Disney. Jo Jobs was just down the street. I used to see him once a week um, on the campus because I had a couple of inventions that used some Apple technology. And so I was, you know, visiting folks and stuff. You know, when you read their diaries and the contemporaneous accounts of them, they talk about it. In fact, they don't say much about their inventions. They talk more about how they came up with their ideas. And where they are in the timeline of history, it doesn't matter because they all tell pretty much the same story. Hmm. And I paid really close attention um, to what I was learning. And what I discovered was a pattern and sequence, these ways of thinking, these thinking and doing habits that were common across all the greatest innovators past and, and now through testing and interviews and stuff present. We've been a lot of new discovery uh, and testing done that today's innovators, significant innovators score in the 80th and 90th and 100th percentile of the same core breakthrough skills that were demonstrated, skills and behaviors, by significant innovators in the past. And um, so I learned from that. I practiced it, and I achieved great things with it, and it changed my life. I'm just at a different point in time now. You know, I've 650 deliverables, nine inventions, 10 innovations, and now what I really want to do is just help other people change their lives as well. So, yeah, really fascinating. Um, I love that. And um, I love how you basically you're trying to 
think on a higher level, people such as Steve Jobs and, you know, Gates, Elon Musk, all these, you know, people that are changing the world. Um, and I can tell, you know, just the way you express yourself, you know, you're at a higher level. Um, so one thing is talking about is this AI is the hype and the buzz now. And <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> um, there's, there's like two or three key main ideas that, you know, most of the people, but you, one thing is talking about is becoming irreplaceable in the age of AI, how to compete, thrive and stay relevant, becoming a category of one, all of these things, brand protection. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. Sure. So <laughs> if you think about it, look, AI is a systematic approach, a computer, try to emulate what a human brain does. You know, they're, it's able to accomplish some of that. There's also a lot left out of the equation. And there might be a time, and it'll probably come sooner than later, where, where you know, it will be able to mimic more of what's going on. But, you know, the, the data and the, and, the, and, and the research over the last two or three years have been telling us that we're really living in an age of average. Now, people have a hard time believing this. You know, our brains like to just think about kind of what's new, right? But if you think about what's new, it's really not. How much this changed over the last 10 years? It hasn't. It's got about the same shape. It does basically the same thing. And, and uh, it distracts us more, that's for sure. It doesn't matter what the technology is. There's still some limitations as to what it can do ver versus what we can do as humans. But it really boils down to three things. You know, it can't communicate as well as we can. It doesn't have emotions, even though they're trying. And that's scary. We thought that humans would make better leaders, but that threshold has just been crossed. They're uh, AI bots providing leadership on a, on a scale that's higher, that scores higher than a lot of human leaders. So that only leaves one thing left, and that's human creativity. And really to, to be irreplaceable, and if you think about the notion of what kind of work AI is going to replace, you know, everybody's talking about job replacement, things like that. <laughs> Look, robotics are already replacing jobs. AI is already replacing jobs. So since about last October, about 270,000 jobs in tech alone have been replaced because of the implementation of AI. Mm. And, and that number, it's just going to increase. Right now, chat GPT, actually three and a half, three point, can outcode 50% of the coders at Facebook. Oh. Think about that. That's right? huge savings. And now, now add to AI, add what we've already been doing with automation and robotics. And, and you have a recipe for mass replacement and, and it will happen. Now, what's typically not going to happen is a boss coming up to John and saying, John, your job's toast. You're completely being replaced. What we're seeing is not our job in its entirety, but if you have take 10 people in marketing, one person with an AI app can accomplish maybe percent of what those 10 people were doing, that means, and, and maybe not 100% of any one individual, but 40% of each or a variation thereof, that means probably four people are gonna lose their job. And, and so when we talk about creativity, we really have to think about it in, in the terms of operating 
in a higher order of creative um, than what most people normally think about. And there are kind of different levels, right? There's the creativity of, you know, our kids drawing a picture and you put it on the refrigerator. There's the creativity of writing a poem, you know, creating a PowerPoint deck for your team at your company or whatever. Most people don't actually operate beyond that level. Then there's the creativity, maybe inventing a new process, uh, maybe invent a new method that changes an industry. And, and then it, you know, goes up, you know, in the invention of the satellite, right? I mean, it can, can go way up. <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm thinking on Elon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But where the real danger is, is in these lower levels. And there's this gap that's widening. You know, you heard me say we're living in an age of average. And it, AI, if you think about what it's trained on, it's trained on everything it can, it is allowed to have access to. And then it's, its output is an amalgamation of that. Well, that means it's just creating a race to mediocrity. And there's this kind of widening gap between what, what science knows and what history has shown us versus what people do. And AI is prepared to fill that gap. But I think the real danger lies in and one of the things that I've been doing work on recently is I've discovered really seven concepts of surrendering your creativity to AI. Uh, and they range anywhere from loss of personal expression. You know, if we outsource that, we risk losing our voice. So the more, you know, dependence, that's number two, right? So the more you use, you know, any of the LLM apps for writing, I will guarantee you the worst writer you will become. And then there's the psychological effects of, um, you know, just these echo chambers that are created by technology really also create a sense of isolation and anxiety mm. and depression. Psychologists are now ringing the bell on this. Yeah. Um, you know, people are, I mean, there's now apps that you can, you know, try to have a personal relationship with. It sounds funny, but it can lead to, uh, you know, really kind of um, dangerous uh, psychological, you know, um, effects. And, you know, and there's there's a few others. I, I, I actually think probably, you know, besides the psychological effects and the, re, you know, the reduced skill development, I mean, if you don't use your skills, guess what? They get rusty, right? Yeah. And, and then, of course, there's ethical and legal. I mean, the AI companies are already getting sued. The lawsuits are stacking up so fast. You know, because they're going out and learning on copywritten material and without permission and you know, so on and so forth. But I think societally, so individually, those things I think are, are concerning. Yeah. But I think societally, I, I think the biggest danger is homogenous. Um, yeah, absolutely we're, right. We're already seeing it. Uh, we're already seeing that when you have mid journey or, you know, take any of the generative image creating AI apps and have it design a house, they're all starting to look the same already. And, and because they're learning on what we've recently done, now, even of the people who invented all of this are now expressing their big concern because it's now learning on itself. And so that's like a self-perpetuating you know, situation. Now, what I'd like to do is just uh, make a quick comment and kind of demark from what I just said to how AI 
is beginning to be used in medicine because yeah. that's that's a different story. So AI in general and these, you know, language learning model apps for writing and, you know, whatever, right? Are, you know, those are what I was just referring to. But you can also take these same models and have them only focus on a narrow aspect of data or information. And, and that's where they move from being, you know, concerning to being, you know, maybe having a really great in outcome. So, for example, teaching it with a limited learning model, teaching it how to, you know, find cancer, for example, you know, and things like that. So, so I just, what I want is I just want people to, to go into this with their eyes wide open. You know, it's not all good, but it's not all bad and learn, you know, recognize the difference and, and make your choices accordingly and how you're going to proceed. Yeah. With it. yeah. It's quite interesting. It's like, if, uh, you know, if a Google engineer, you know, makes 500 K a year and basically you can use chat GPT for, for 20 bucks a month, you know, think about how many, you know, Google engineers or Facebook, you know, all the, like how much that could save the company. This brings in the question whether or not, like, for example, I, you know, I spent tens of thousands on editors last year and now I just use ChatGPT and some mm -hmm. um, AI editing. And uh, it's like I saved tens of thousands and it's in my productivity 6x, you know, almost 10x at, by the end of the year. Um, and then this, and if AI is going to kind of change jobs, you know, and this brings the question, you know, kids are struggling in school and paying hundreds of thousands in debt. And, you know, is this really the best way? And Khan Academy and YouTube, all these, you know, podcasting as well. It's where uh, this brings into so many, so many questions. And I think Elon or was saying that um, there's the two most disruptive is going to be climate change, which people are not prepared for. And then uh, also AI. So this this coming wave, you know, it's it's, <laughs> it's going to be it's like a tsunami if you know if you're not ready. That's right. And you, and <laughs> you know what I think the irony about his comment was because I remember when he made it <laughs> that AI is climate change unfriendly technology. There is. <laughs> I mean, AI is creating more carbon than than most small towns yeah. because of the amount of computing power it requires. It is sucking energy like you can't believe. I mean, it is just, it is just really unreal. So there's, there's really kind of an interesting irony there. I think. Uh -huh. um, well, you're absolutely. You know, I, I think what you said is is spot on. Um, you know, I use I'm using some AI apps in a limited way because I I, I did a lot of testing. You know, I kind of I I was actually kind of a little skeptical. And, and I'm glad I was because I have a really high level of expertise in the neuroscience of how our brains are designed to consume information and then and store it. But I, and I also have a high level of expertise in how our brains, in, in how the whole creativity engine in our brain works, yeah. at least to the, to the point of what we know. I mean, there's still some mysteries, but um, you know, unfortunately, our brain didn't come with instructions, but we've learned a lot <laughs> over the last three or four years. And I can't tell you how much AI is wrong and really kind of lame and also how it just makes stuff up. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so so what I always suggest to the folks that I've been working with is 
maybe use it on the early stages. I mean, it's great for outlining. It's great for kind of coalescing your thoughts and things like that, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe pulling in some things that maybe you didn't think of or whatever. Don't lose sight of how powerful your brain already is. Um, yeah. Our brains, I mean, even the folks who, you know, have launched all this, all these recent AI apps, all admit in a New York second that it still cannot keep up with the human brain. Yeah. And <laughs> our brains are just amazing things. And, um, and they, they get more amazing the more we use them. So, so, you know, don't lose sight of that. But I, I love to hear about, you know, you know, you're able to be more efficient. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting to use, uh, and in fact, I, for the first time I started using a, an AI video editing app. Oh, and, yeah. uh, oh my gosh, I think it, I think it, you know, I think it, I just recorded like 42 videos and, and had to, you know, do a bunch of editing and whatnot on all of them. And I think it cut the amount of time that I would have had to have spent probably by at least 60, 70%. Oh yeah. It's um, amazing. So that, you know, for that, for that, I'm really grateful. There will, you know, it's, the train's already left the station. Our lives are going to be changed, uh, whether we're prepared for it or not. <laughs> and and I think that I, I really do believe the people that are going to be most prepared are going to be the ones who who deliberately activate you know their abilities to be creative, to be more in on demand, and and basically do the things even the AI experts say is going to be a little while before AI can do. And, yeah. and that's the human part of it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It was like, uh, it was like basically when the internet came and you did, people didn't know how to use websites or people didn't know how to set up e-commerce sites. And then when social media came, people, if you didn't know how to use that to build an audience and create engagement, if you didn't know how to use SEO, you know, you are SOL because people can now access right. millions of people just, you know, for a fraction of the cost very easily. So AI is the same way as well. And and there's some stuff coming down the road that would just scare <laughs> you. I mean, it, um, wait, till chat, wait till chat five. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's going to operate on a factor of probably more than 10x of chat four. Oh man, that's gonna that's gonna be yeah that's gonna and, be uh, powerful but scary. <laughs> but but it, but regardless, one of the one of the conundrums that they're really facing is this whole notion of it training on its own output because a lot of the AI output, you know, all of us that are experimenting or using it right on a um you know a, as a as part of the course of what we do. A lot of that output is is getting put back out on the on the net, and and you know that's how AI learns is what's out in the wild, right? You have a you know you have a um, closed model like what you might use you know for some kind of medical purpose, or, and it doesn't have to be medical. You know you can like I'm getting ready to move my learning series over to a platform that is going to uh, let me use an AI um, app to just learn my content. So it's not, you know, it's not going to be like chat where you can just, you know, where it's going to go out and universally <laughs> respond to anything. It's going to learn, you know, my content and whatever I ask it to learn and which could be even all, all the things, you know, like my posts and stuff like that. 
and it will allow you know, my customers and you know my clients to literally have a conversation with my content. Uh, how can people contact you, follow you, you know, check out your, your, you're very knowledgeable and obviously people want to, you know, check out your work, you know, reach out to you and et cetera. Well, I would, I would suggest, first of all, I'm very happy to connect with people through LinkedIn so they can, you know, look me up and, um, you know, if you want a couple of links, I can send those to you. You can, you know, post those, um, I, I would love to offer a, a completely free resource. I actually pulled it out of one of my, I pulled it out of my advanced mastery course. And I'm just, I'm like offering it to friends and family. And anybody who's listening is now friends. So, you know, um, if they uh, will go to become, this is, it's actually, people are saying, Greg, this is like when you're they're giving it away. I guarantee that you will, that you you go it's it's a seven part series you can read it or listen to it and if you do the things that i you know suggest you'll get back 8 hours of your week um on a weekly yeah. basis oh, definitely. and um it's oh, man, it's based yeah. on a superpower that i developed while i was in silicon valley so i had to be able to spend more time than the average person in deep work right in deep level work and in flow. So I basically had to learn how to make myself distraction proof. And so I've taken all those different things that I've learned over the years and put it together in a, in a seven part series. So I'd be happy to share that as well. Oh, nice. And yeah, for all the listeners out there, let's thank Greg. Uh, he's on LinkedIn and um, all of his, that resource that he was discussing will be in the show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Great. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.